African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Hey, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us right here on African Dialogue. Remember, you are listening to us uh, right here on uh, Channel Africa on the shortwave frequency 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa on DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. You can stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama, right here on African Dialogue. We try to contextualize uh, the big conversations in uh, the continent of Africa because I think that's where uh, it shows uh, really where there could be kind of a demographic gap between the aspirations of what's happening low on the grassroots and uh, to the two candidates. I mean, you saw um, Nigerian President Muhammadu Buhari, who has been at the helm and being a president. And also, um, we've been seeing him very sick during his presidency. A lot of complaints from the youth in Nigeria during his, his term. And also, he has had a bit of a big challenge in terms of reviving um, uh, the economy of Nigeria. And then you have on the opposite side, Atiku Bubaka, a businessman, also a former vice president do you think these two actually stood out for um the voter themselves because uh, they represent a certain class also they represent a certain age group and uh, uh, what are your thoughts around these two candidates themselves before we look at how buhari became the winning candidate it's it's a very important question benjamin because um i think uh, one one of the 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 highlights for me in the build-up to the elections after the presidential primaries of the two main parties was that, in a sense, uh, it, it looked as if um, Nigerians were not too inspired by the choices the two parties were giving them. Because, you know, when President Buhari came to power in 2015, he came to power on a wave of change, on a, on a, on this, this, this absolute... Um, uh, ground well in support. Uh, there was this conviction that, that he would he would actually deliver on on some of the pledges he made when he came to power. Uh, his major pledges, of course, was he pledged to fight corruption, uh, a major challenge in Nigeria, uh, which I'm, I'm sure you, you know about. We can take the whole interview talking mm. about that. Sure. But, but also, also uh, he, he made this pledge to crack down on Boko Haram, and he promised also to 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 um, uh, fix the economy. Now the problem Bari had is that uh, since he came to power, we we had this uh, absolute recession, and and it seems as if the president struggles to to really deal with that. But also um, there there's been accusations of tardiness um, leveled against him, his uh, being slow to act, but also questions about his health. So um, some of these factors have, have actually um, gone against him in the build-up to the election with the main opposition candidate, um, former Vice President Chikwa Abubakar, harping on some of these issues, making the argument that 
he's a businessman, he would know how to deal with the economy and what have you. And if you look critically at the two candidates too, um, they are very, very different in how uh, Nigerians have um, assessed them. So um, this lent us into this very, very divisive election um, with, with, with President Buhari uh, generating the swell of his support largely from the north and uh, former Vice President Atiku uh, mobilizing support largely from the south. So if you look at the electoral map, you'll find that Vice President Atiku's support mm-hmm. Uh, draws from the, the, the east, not east where he's from, but right down to the south. And President Buhari's uh, support is concentrated in uh, among the northern states. So um, I, I really think uh, it, 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 it was a very difficult choice for Nigerians because as much as uh, there was this mm. lack of satisfaction sure. with the performance of the incumbent, uh, uh, Vice President uh, Atiku Abubakar, uh, in a sense, did not necessarily provide a viable alternative, you know. So, so I think all of this played out in, in, in how uh, Nigerians took mm. the two candidates. Mm. Sarah, I don't know if you can answer to that in terms of uh, these candidates and how they actually could have appealed to uh, the uh, demographics in, in the country. Well, I think I think uh, the there's a there's a there's a serious thought about the inability mm. to to raise a third force. Mm. Okay. Uh, you, if you look at the APC as a ruling party, it's made of a coalition of different parties that were in opposition since 1999, so. and having taken power in 2015, they've made themselves very very. Formidable, and and uh, but the 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 opposition PDP, uh, uh, which still has elements of uh, individuals and political structures that were frustrated from the the, the PDP, so uh, mm. the APC. So if you ask a lot of Nigerians, they will generally tell you that uh, uh, yes, the individuals look a bit different in their assessment, but almost as if. Um, it's politics with no ideology. Mm, mm. Uh, they look as if they are one and the same. And, and so um, the, the inability to raise this third force mm. uh, to challenge the two uh, uh, main parties, I think, uh, also uh, mm. contributed in the kind of choices that people made uh, in this election. Okay, let me take that question back to you, Sarah Makaukbabe. What, what are your thoughts around the demographic makeup of Nigeria, also versus uh, these two candidates and their appeal? Yeah, so I think there is a mismatch between the demographic makeup of Nigeria and the ages of our, our political candidates. One thing I will say for this election season, though, is we saw political uh, presidential candidates come out who were who mirrored the population in age in in perhaps in aspiration and experiences we didn't see them garner as much um votes we didn't see them garner as much traction as we would have liked but i do think it's a starting place the incumbents and the main opposition have been in government before um are a product of our political landscape, um, Nigeria, the way she looks today. And I think people were hoping for something new, something different. Um, I do think that there are moments of hope, even within our current situation. I think the fact that 
the two main candidates inspired others to come out is a big plus. The fact that we saw young people perform in ways that we hadn't seen in previous election season. We saw a young legislative uh, member of a uh, um, candidate for the House garner a lot more votes than the current structure of APC and PDP. So we see a changing landscape within our political uh, face. We see young people daring to run. And I think that we'll only see more and more of this as we head into the next electoral season, 2023. Um, we have four more years of, of consolidating our democracy. We have four more years of being more accountable, uh, holding our, our elected officials more accountable. Um, I think that the participation from the young and old alike needs to be sustained. Um, no matter who we vote in, whether it was a Tiku, and now we know it's Buhari, or a young third force, as they say, the role of, our, of the citizens, citizens still remains the same, which is holding our elected officials accountable. All right, so I'm going to take a quick break because I want to come back to how Buhari actually won these elections. He was an ale man during his presidency. He couldn't really revive issues around the economy. He couldn't actually create stability around the terrorism uh, threats that we've seen historically in Nigeria. We'll deal with that after this break. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalun Yenzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. You're on various platforms. You're listening to us on shortwave on the frequency 7230 kilohertz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa. And remember, if you're listening to us on DSTV, uh, that audio bouquet channel is 802. And don't forget that you can also stream us live on our website on www.channelafrica.co.za. Today, we're looking at the Nigerian elections. It's already been announced that uh, President uh, Amadou Buhari, I can say that now he is uh, uh, the president. He has been announced as one. Uh, let's listen to the announcement that has been made uh, by Professor Mahmoud Yakubu, chairperson of Nigeria's Independent National Electoral Commission, before we go back to our guests. Buhari Muhammadu of the APC scored 15,191,800 and 47 votes. Abubakar Atiku of the PDP scored 11,262,978 votes. That Muhammad Buhari of the All Progressive Congress having satisfied the requirements of the law and scored the highest number of votes is hereby declared winner and is returned elected. Thank you. 
Well, that was the announcement being made there by uh, Nigeria's Independent National Electoral Commission, Professor Mahmoud Yakubu. We joined uh, today on the line by Sarah Maka Ukbabe, Nigeria Director for Advocacy Group 1. And also we have Dr. Jimam Lara, political analyst, who's also a lecturer in history and international studies at the University of Joss, Nigeria. But let me start this part uh, with you, Sarah, in terms of uh, your um, response, in terms of the outcome of this election, in terms of why you would have thought Buhari would have stood out in these elections, considering some of those challenges we've been speaking about in terms of what's happening in Nigeria, when you look at issues around uh, uh, Islamist insurgency, and also the fact that uh, uh, the country's still struggling after that 2016 recession. Sure. I think, you know, we can't run away from the fact that elections in a country as large as Nigeria, with the scope and the scale that we have, is still run by structures and um, channels on the ground. So how do you get communication to the northeast and the northwest and the southeast and the southwest? You have to have a machinery that's able to push this communication out. And we saw with both organizations, both Uh, parties, PDP and APC, that they had structures in the ground. Now we see that about 3.9 million more votes for President Buhari, and I think that it's it's a testament to, in many ways, the pull he has in northern Nigeria. If you see the map of the wins from APC, we see that there was a big swath in the north, east, the northwest, um, significantly north central, and the south um, west voting for him. Um, and unfortunately for PDP, they just couldn't pull as many votes in those areas um, in spite of the crowds that were pulled in some of those areas pre-election. Um, I think just being able to sustain your message all the way to the grassroots. Um, obviously, this election was not um, perfect, like many elections aren't. Um, unfortunately, we still saw evidence of political thuggery happening on both sides. We saw a big decry against vote buying on both sides. So we saw a lot of things that didn't encourage us around the journey of our elections. Um, But I think what was highlighted was it wasn't isolated to one party. On the the two largest parties, it was was spread among both of them. So um, here we are, you know, with with our president-elect. I think it's very important for us to, to focus on the things that we demanded from the elected officials before they became um, elected officials. We ran a campaign called Vote Your Future, and we saw lots of encouragement and excitement among young people that are holding, want to hold our elected officials um, accountable to create jobs in Nigeria. Now we have to pivot to ensuring that President Buhari focuses on job creation. He focuses on the fight against corruption. He focuses on education and health. Because these are the things that are important to Nigeria. These are the things that are important to Nigerians. All right. We're asking a question on our Facebook page. Do you think Buhari won the elections in a fair manner? And uh, you can give us your thoughts there. Give us your thoughts on the elections themselves. I'm already having a conversation with Paul Luke Silongwe there. I'll give you his comment. But before I do that, I want to come back to Dr. Lar in terms of getting his thoughts around uh, how Bubaka, I mean Buhari rather, actually stood tall in these elections and won once again. I, I think uh, I would agree with what um, Sarah said in the sense that 
if you if you look at the the map, you see how the president has had this um, ground support mainly in the north, and this support has been quite consistent since 2003, the first time he contested, and um, this is actually his fifth uh, time with his second term. Um, he had that ground wellwelling support in northern Nigeria, but the difference in 2015 was that he got this alliance with the other opposition party that was mainly in the southwest, Yoruba-speaking southwest. So you have this major alliance between the north and southwest, which basically is Buhari's core uh, strength, even though we saw how uh, former Vice President Chikwa Bubakar he had a good showing in the Southwest this time around, but the president was able to, to to take that out with a good showing in the North Central. And in the build-up to the elections, most of us commentators thought that he wouldn't do well in the North Central because of the the, the very, very serious issue of um, farmers' herders' violence in the North Central, which he was uh, believed to not have um, responded quick enough to deal with, you know. So his performance in the North Central was quite impressive, and I think that also contributed to, to the, the victory. But most importantly, Benjamin, I think um, the, the opposition was unable to convince um, Nigerians that they, they were able to present a viable alternative to President Buhari. I think that in itself is, is, is a very important reason, because even in the stronghold uh, where the, the PDP has consistently done well, the South East and the South South, we saw how Buhari even improved um, uh, his showing in those areas, you know. So so I think it, it's, it all boils down to the fact that, yes, a lot of Nigerians were not uh, satisfied with Buhari's first four years, but the alternative that uh, the PDP was offering uh, did not convince enough of them to 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 change to, to the opposition. Well, one of our listeners, Paul Luke Silungwe, is answering our question on our Facebook page. I was asking, do you think Buhari won the elections in a fair manner? And Paul Silungwe is actually questioning my question itself. And Paul says, isn't it just too early to start barking much about how fair or fraudulent the election was? Do we really have post-election reports from stakeholders on the ground? I fear this discourse appeals to speculations than facts on the ground. Well, is that point uh, valid, uh, staying with you, Dr. La, uh, because already we heard from the EU, the US, and the African Union that have expressed concern around delays. Okay, I think we've lost uh, Mr. La there. I'm going to take a quick break, and then I want to pose that question around the delays and the logistical problems in in terms of the legitimacy of these elections. Do they complicate uh, the situation, especially the standpoint that the opposition uh, is uh, uh, actually um, making right now, questioning the legitimacy of these elections. It's 36 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. Remember, we want you to get into the conversation. Go to our Channel Africa Facebook page. uh, Get into this question and debate and then uh, I would like to hear your thoughts on that. But let's take a quick break. We'll be back. 
Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it's one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa. The voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Moshatama. You are listening to African Dialogue. We come to you every Monday to Thursday where we contextualize the big issues with experts uh, uh, trying to actually not just get the headlines or uh, just uh, the intro of the story, but try to contextualize and get the the deeper context of the, the stories. And I'm also having a conversation with our Malawian listener on our Channel Africa page. That's Paul Silungwe. And uh, I don't only want to question experts or gatekeepers, but also you are very important in this uh, uh, conversation and I've been having this conversation with Paul Silungwe and we're asking whether these elections are were fair and he says the discourse appeals to speculations uh, than facts on the ground and I asked Paul on the line does he think the last minute's postponement of the elections created doubts around these elections and this is what Paul Silungwe had to say on our Facebook he says probably they did but not certainly doubts are always there when it comes to credibility of elections in Africa that particular incident in my view does not sufficiently offer us with a huge point of reference or a basis to start uh, doubting uh, and or right, rather parroting all sorts of uh, conspiracies. Well, let me bring it to you, Dr. La, the question around the legitimacy of these elections. Already there were concerns from the EU, the African Union, also the United States around these delays and the logistical problems we saw that we highlighted earlier on. But there were no independent observers that have suggested fraud so far that have come out. That does this co- complicate the situation, especially in terms of uh, uh, the standpoint of uh, 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 the uh, People's Democratic Party? I think, I think Benjamin, the, there are two issues there. The, the first issue is, as you, as you did suggest, um, yes, the, the uh, observers, the EU, the SADC, the uh, ECOWAS, the AU observers, uh, all raise concerns about the uh, violence that marked the election in some parts of the country, particularly uh, parts of um, in Lagos and also in in, in River State. Uh, but as you also did say, um, none of these observers have yet come out to suggest whether there was fraudly related um, tampering with the, with the vote. Um, yes, the opposition. Uh, midway into the collation, uh, sent in a letter written by its chairman, uh, the chairman of the PDP, to to the chairman of the Independent National Electoral Commission, contesting the results. Uh, but I think uh, we would have to wait and see the detailed reports emerge. But from where I am, from what I observed, from what I have gathered, I, I would say we have not had any substantial reports of, um, of, of electoral uh, fraud that would have changed the outcome. Uh, but I think, I think we have to 
wait a bit and, and have all these reports come in and also uh, see what the observers have to say. But from, 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 from my vantage point, I can tell you um, I don't at this moment see anything enough to, to bring this outcome into question. Mm. There you go, Paul, our Malawian listener, our analyst, Dr. Lar, agrees with you. But let's look at the future of Nigeria. A lot of challenges are still in within the country. Uh, as many as we are on the African continent, there are many countries and there are a lot of challenges. But uh, Nigeria has its own tailor-made challenges, Sarah. Uh, What's the future of Nigeria right now? I mean, where would Buhari have to start, especially when you look at the growing youth demographic in in the country, the economy, which is uh, very much informal in Nigeria and also uh, needs to be also uh, diversified in its uh, uh, way, not just relying on uh, uh, the oil and petrol sector. What are your thoughts in terms of uh, Nigeria and its future? So the good news is that the current administration is continuing. So these challenges will not be news to them. Um, there are three areas we really need to work on. Um, we polled 170,000 Nigerians right before the election started last year, and we asked them one question. What do you believe the president-elect in 2019 must focus on? Number one issue is job creation. 56% of Nigerians said job creation is the most important thing this government can address. We need 3.5 million jobs every year because of the number of young people going to the workforce. Um, we need to expand our economy to absorb those people. We also need to address corruption because, again, that's the, the holes in the basket where a lot of our resources empty out without it functioning in any proper way and addressing any issues or services within this country. So this government, while it had it, it initially campaigned on an election on an anti-corruption basis, it needs to renew faith among Nigerians that it's really out there to address corruption. The third thing is our human capital indexes. We need to focus on healthcare. Our Nigerian primary healthcare services are still very poor. Uh, We have some of the worst statistics on the continent around maternal mortality, um, infant mortality, HIV. Um, So there's lots that we have to do around healthcare. This administration needs to focus on that. Education is another area where this administration just needs to double down on. Um, What are we creating? How are we equipping our young people who are coming out into the workforce, into the world in droves? How are we equipping them for this new world? Because our education system is not adequate. It's broken, and we need that fixed. So there are three main areas this government needs to double down on. Um, And the good news is that it's seen these these issues arising in the last four years. Um, So there won't be... Ideally, we won't have a long lead time before um, things are back functioning and we have real policies, concrete policies, and a signal of commitment that, that is observable by the Nigerian people, that it's ready to grow our economy, it's ready to address corruption, and it's ready to, to focus on our human capital development. Okay, you've got uh, around a minute, uh, uh, Dr. Lar. Uh, your thoughts on the future of Nigeria? I think, I think, Benjamin, I, I agree with everything mm-hmm. that I have said, absolutely sure. right. But I will also add for emphasis, um, power shortages, we have to get around this challenge of power. Uh, it's a major drawback on our economy, it's a major drawback on our national life, 
and we have to find a way, alternative means of generating and distributing power. I think also uh, something that the president has already been working on for infrastructure. We have a serious challenge with renewing and, and, and also expanding the infrastructural landscape of the country. This is also a major issue. And then, of course, the economy. Uh, and the economy would not improve, it would not develop further if we don't guarantee security. So, so I think uh, there, are, there are issues that the administration has highlighted already, but in, the, in this first four-year term, they have not been able to substantially create an impact that the, the everyday Nigerian, the masses, would feel the impact in these areas. So what we hope to see in the next four years is the government outrightly uh, 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 intervening and transforming this country so that we can we can see the impact of this on the ground in our everyday life. This, I think, it, it would, would what is what we hope for the future. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jimam Lar, political analyst, joining us all the way from Nigeria. Thank you to Sarah Maka Ukbabe, Nigeria Director for Advocacy Group One. You guys have been fantastic. Thank you for giving us your insights so we understand the bigger context of what's happening in terms of the outcome of these elections and what contributed to them. So thank you to both of you. Thank you, Benjamin. Thank you, Benjamin. 